0: time here in New York City, about a uh, we about that research, were here last not last year, but two, two years, years ago, uh, a group about uh, eight guys, so a smaller group this time, but that's alright, these three young men sitting right here, they support their they are from New York State, right? here's Long Island, and from upper state of New York, the you know, Buckley Road Baptist Church. So enjoy again joy to here and have a in inner city of New York and see what God is doing. God is doing in this church. You know, you might look at our cities of America, like New York City, you might think, God's at work? You know, it just seems like everything, uh sin and, and wickedness that abounds everywhere, but God is at work. Yeah. God's at work right here. I'm so thankful for this church right here in inner city New York and uh, being a lighthouse. There's a need for churches like this and need for more churches right here in the city. So um, anyway, it's just a joy to serve the Lord. Uh, I chair the missions department at Hartman Baptist Bible College. Uh, Here in a couple weeks, you'll meet my son, Chad, he's with the group Witness Sarah and Andrew and the whole group there, we come and some survival group, and he'll have a good time. So. Um, we have five children all together, and I can work for them and serve the Lord. And do pray for Brother Matoro. Uh, he is supposed to teach quite a bit, actually, this week. So, uh, he can pray, he does some prayer, just Well, if so. um, you would, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9, chapter 9. see everyone again. Then Nina over here. Apparently, LeBron's others. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38. Alright, verse number 35 reading here it says Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people Aren't well, you thankful that Jesus loves and cares for people, amen. amen he cares about the cities he cares about the villages the small small towns, he cares about them all, I'm going to the preacher right here before we finish the text, right? But uh, he loves people, cares for. Them. Verse 36: But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and they were scattered abroad, as sheep having no shepherd. And saith he unto his, unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plentious, the labors are few. Pray ye therefore, for Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers and his harvest. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer this evening. The very Father, I thank you so much for the Word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for our Savior who died on the cross for our sins. Give us eternal life. So thank you for each one that's here tonight. Lord, well, I know they've had a, maybe a long day of work. Uh, Lord, i thankful for their faithfulness in your house and the faithfulness to the Word. I pray that the Lord that, uh, that you did help here this evening to be uh, and encouragement from your I'm going to you our Lord saying to you, for the one who and he's praying for his help. Um, so we pray that you may have a healing hand upon him. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, all right, I wasn't given a time to quit, so a hour message, uh, we will get you out of the time? Well, the title of the message tonight is why pray? Why pray? You know, everywhere you go in this world today, you can find people praying. I say, really? I I didn't see they praying today. Uh, Well, really, wherever you go, you can find people praying. Uh, Actually, today, we did. Uh, We went uh, into Lower Manhattan uh, this afternoon. in the Trinity Church and found people praying. <laughs> Sitting in the pews, meditating or praying to but I they did You know, whatever religion they you know that, that that church there there's all kinds of religions that people go into this into that church. Um, the Jesus they pray to though is not the same Jesus I pray to. Lighting candles, putting money in the box, praying, and hoping that the Jesus that they're praying to will answer their prayers. And you have, of course, uh, Catholics and Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists. Everywhere you go, if it's an Asian country, uh, you find them burning incense and praying to their gods, or again, Middle Eastern countries and bowing to Mecca and praying to Allah. And Hoping that their gods will answer their prayers, so everywhere in the world, people are, are, are praying, and even atheists. You know how they say that uh, there are no atheists in a boxhole, right? I mean, uh, everybody I mean, in that boxhole will be crying out to God, God help me. Everywhere, people pray. Well, I'm so thankful that I, that you, us as Christians, we. Praying to the truth of the living God. Amen. God it hears our prayers and knows us and loves us and cares for us. And so here in this story, we find Jesus telling his disciples to pray. Here in First number um, 37, it says, "Then saith he, he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that He will send for the laborers in His harvest. Jesus took time to pray. Jesus saw the need to pray. And He exhorted His disciples to pray. And in this particular sense, He was invoking them to pray for laborers. Well, why? What moved Jesus uh, to tell His disciples to pray? Well, here in his passage, we see that uh, Jesus, first of all, he saw the multitudes. Now, as he was busy there, verse 35, we mentioned, you know, Jesus went out in the cities and villages. Now, the cities of that day obviously were not as large as many of the cities are today in the world. You know, 8 million, uh, even larger, Tokyo, Mexico City, other places. But still, they had large cities and, and smaller towns. And he went from town to town, city to city, and teaching in the synagogues. It says here, verse number 35. It, Preaching the gospel of the kingdom and, and healing people. He was busy doing things, very busy. But when he saw the multitudes, he lifted up his eyes and, and he saw people wherever he went. And it moved him. Well, what did he see? Let's look at this passage here and see what, let's see what Jesus saw here in this passage. Well, first of all, here in verse number 36, says, when he says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Because, first of all, we see here that they fainted. They fainted. I looked at this word fainted. Uh, it has several different meanings, but in particular, in, in, in this sense right here, this word fainted means that they were weary. They were fatigued. They were tired in body and soul, burdened down. Just ask the lady just to see me as, as she walked in. And how are you doing? Well, I'm a little tired know how that is. I, I feel the same way after going to lower Manhattan. And, oh my word. <laughs> I don't see how y'all do it from day to day morning and night and oh my goodness. And as you ride the subways just looking on people's faces. People are tired. Fatigued. To see that people are burned down. This is what Jesus saw. It says here that they faint and that was again they were weary, fatigued, tired in body and soul, burdened down with the cares and things of life. Well, what's up? It, it, it just looking at some things in their culture. What would what would uh, they be tired of? And I know in our culture today, it's like you mentioned right here uh, in this city, it is oh, we're just you know getting to work, and, uh, getting home from work, and just the uh, rigmarole of you know walking from place to place and your job and the demands of work. Uh, all kinds of different things that can be tiring in our culture. But yeah, well, what about them? Well, they were tired to, of fulfilling all the religious duties that the Pharisees uh, put upon them. I mean, they were constantly adding to the law, adding and this law and that law. And you've got to uh, uh, wash your hands for this reason and for that reason. You know, and every I mean, even if they, uh, a Gentile would just pass by a Jew, just the shadow of a Gentile passing by a Jew, they would have to go and wash. I mean, it was ridiculous. If a shadow of a a Gentile would pass over their their, their food, it would be contaminated. That's how many walls and things that they would place upon the Jewish people there. And that that was just something that they had to observe. And so, all this, you know, when you think of—and that, that's religion for you. So I thank God that we don't have religion. We have a relationship with Jesus Christ—a yeah. personal relationship, someone that we can talk to, someone that will carry our burdens for us, not putting more burdens upon us. But when you look at these religions today, study these religions, whether like it's Islam or Hinduism or Buddhism, a and on and you go—people are burdened. I mean, my word. uh, for example, Hinduism, uh, they claim that there's 300 million gods. You know, a a God for every little thing out there. And, you know, trying to appease the gods. It's really a burdensome religion. So burn down. A Hindu friend of ours there in Kenya, we were missionaries in Kenya, one of the things that he stated to me, he says, one thing I know that's different about, uh, he said, your religion of mine is that you have peace and we don't. Peace. Burns lifted. So burned down. No peace, no joy. This is the same thing with, with the Jewish people here. In this setting, this is what Jesus saw. Fainted, tired, weary of all just the religious laws that were put upon him. They were also tired of being harassed or oppressed by Obama, I mean by Rome. Okay. <laughs> well, that was a slip, sorry, right? by government, in other words. Okay. We know how that is. is you know, look at government today and, and uh, you know talking with Brother Montoro about here in this city. Oh my word, all the regulations and things of having a building like this. A law for this and a law for that. And, uh, someone, I can't remember which, which you guys saw, that there was a sign or something that there was some fine for honking your board in a certain area. You know, 300 bucks, so I found work. You know, just the, the almost ridiculous kind of walls, it seems like. And, and, you know, so government can be very overbearing. And they were oppressed by a Roman government, an outside government that were oppressing the Jews. They were tired of working just to see their hard-earned money stolen by the tax collectors. We know how that is, right? Working hard, it seems like your money is just going out the window for for this and that tax or whatever it might be. Likewise with these people. uh, Rome would tax them and then their own people would be the ones that, uh, uh, these tax collectors, to come along and collect for Rome they would add more to it so they pocket the money. So burdened down with that. Tired of all these different things and of course as we see here different diseases and sicknesses that vex vex their lives and vex our lives. So Jesus, this is what, when you see this word here, they did, this is what Jesus saw. Well what else did Jesus see? Well it says here, verse 36, a sheep having a shepherd. People were like scattered sheep with no shepherd. I don't know if you've done any kind of reading or studying about sheep, but sheep are dumb animals. They cannot be left to themselves. They need a shepherd. They need someone to uh, lead them, they need someone to guide them, uh, to constantly be watching out for them. If not, they will just immediately begin wandering off and get themselves into problems. And on and on we can go. Uh, I'm trying to think of it. There's a wonderful little book about uh, about the, the shepherd's song, Psalm 23. If you ever get a chance, I can't remember the exact the, the, title of it, the author, but it really explains the details of, of shepherd life. And uh, a man that was a shepherd at one time. And all that, uh, my word, all that about sheep and all that goes into shepherding sheep, I'm telling you, I would not want to be a shepherd. You have to constantly be with them, nearly almost twenty-four hours a day. I mean, someone watching them, and uh, so this—this this is what Jesus sees. Your people, like sheep with no shepherd, lost, defenseless, vulnerable to every evil and danger. Uh, Mary just existing in, in fears, living, just existing day by day without any hope, without any guidance. And this is what Jesus saw. With You know, this is really the condition of all of mankind. faint weary, without a shepherd. See, God created man to worship and serve him. Not merely just to exist from day to day. And then just to die like an animal. So when Jesus uh, saw the multitudes in this kind of condition. He was moved with compassion upon it. In fact, we know that He was moved so much that He gave His life upon Calvary's cross. For their sins and our sins, praise the Lord. He was moved, to there's something about it. Well, He was moved with compassion, the Bible tells us here. The word compassion. Look up the word compassion. It means love, sympathy, having pity, uh, the bowels yearning, in other words, the innermost being of a of a person uh, to have just, just you know, moving them, are so moved upon that person that you want to do something about it. You know, have, you ever, have you ever felt that way? you looked upon a person and, uh, just so moved about that person and seeing them that you want to do something about it. Now, today, uh, there in the subway, this lady Actually, just you know, out there, outside the, uh, before getting on the subway, that uh, she'd come up to all of us and said, "I'm starving." As I said, so what are words were. I'm hungry. I'm starving. We looked at her. She wasn't starving. I mean, she looked completely fine. Uh, uh, actually, I think it was Peter mentioned. Yeah, afterwards, yeah, I thought I saw some food in her basket. You know, what I mean, uh, I didn't really have a lot of compassion upon. I You know, I live in an Africa. I, I've never seen starving people. Now it doesn't mean that I should not have compassion upon her. Now, I, you know, as for as for food, she looked like she was fine. But really, you know, she doesn't know Christ as her Savior. She was lost without hope. And I'm sure that you've seen people and. And, and there are people in, in, in everywhere in the city, everywhere in this world, that we ought to see them. We ought to look in their eyes. In fact, as, as you know, just, just traveling uh, into town uh, this, this afternoon and uh, doing some things yesterday, well, actually, even this morning, being you know, out doing some subways and passing out tracts, it's uh, worked my heart. Looking into people's eyes and just seeing the tiredness not just physically, but really spiritually. Deep down your souls, is fatigued and tired of the, of the pressures of life and of this world. What does that look like? What is the purpose of life? Have people trying to fulfill that purpose with, with, with you know, uh, entertainment and the loss of their flesh? And then it brings no fulfillment. We need to see people as Jesus saw them. I need to constantly remind myself of that. Because we can get caught up in really in the same routine. Stay in you know, taking the transportation, going to work, coming back home, getting this kind of routine, beginning to wonder, is this what life's really about? Sometimes even as Christians, we can get caught up in that. We need to just be reminded of why we're that's the worship. First of all, to, to love God with the neighbor, to look upon the heart of and, and, and then he moved with compassion to do something about it. You say, well, when Jesus saw the, you might say the uh, seemingly hopeless situation, because it wasn't him, a seemingly hopeless situation, it moved him to do something about it. So but you know, first of all, we need to see them. We need to see the people. And not just, just passing, just, just, just glancing at them, but see it to where it will move us to compassion, the to the stir our bowels, to do something about it. That intense look that will break our hearts. That's the kind of look that we're talking about. And I encourage you. From, again, from day to so, day you get know, on the subways if, if you drive or whatever, I like heard driving, uh you know I've seen up uh, most people I guess, but especially in the subways, do you know, typically look at people and, and see the see their faces and see the knees to where moves are heart? I don't know if people don't talk much, obviously in the subway, hardly at all the out in fact are out on the street, but still we can do something has a trust or mother, to say a prayer in their pardon for someone. See, when Jesus saw the multitude, it affected his heart. It affected him to the point of wanting to do something about it. And of course, Jesus was busy doing things. We see here that uh, uh, here in verse number 35, that he went from city to city, village to village, teaching to <laughs> the synagogues, preaching the kingdom of, uh, of the gospel of the kingdom, that, that, that his kingdom is coming soon but also dealing with their physical needs and helping them physically. Then all the busyness that he was doing and helping people, and there's a lot of work to do as, as, as a local church here. And I thank the Lord again for this church and how you're a busy people and serving the Lord and going uh, uh, we out on visitation on Saturdays and, uh, you know, passing out tracts and serving here in this local church and praying and you know, ladies just praying this evening down, downstairs in the basement. So... Uh, busy doing things. You know, the most important thing when Jesus saw the uh, multitudes, what He told His disciples to do was not uh, go out and witness or, or or do all kinds of good things, which, which Jesus did Himself, but what he, what, what he told them to do was to pray. So the greatest work, what I sense out of the story, is prayer. Praying. He told his disciples to pray. To pray for what? Well, to pray for more laborers. Jesus realized himself, his own limitations as a man, God-man, yes, but he was just one person. And so he's passing this on to his disciples. Listen, one person can't do it alone. There's a need for more. Labors. Pray for laborers The work Jesus here in other words Is telling his disciples The work is great Look at the multitudes There's a need for more laborers Pray My word When I you know, come to this city a population of what 8 million Just in the, the, the inner city here Of course that's not including The petrol area 20 plus million people Word. It seems overwhelming. Jesus said, pray. Pray. Pray for preachers. Pray for your pastor. I know you do. Don't 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 quit in praying for pray for more preachers. Pray for more churches. Pray for Mike and Kelly Newburn. And I know you are praying for them, but keep praying for them. Pray for more leaders for this city. And Brother Montoro showed us this morning on a document presentation of just a, just a few independent Baptist churches in the city that we would feel comfortable in going to. If you believe, like this book. Teaches, then that's that would be exactly right. Just a few churches that you feel comfortable going to instead. There's a need for more, and I know you're praying. And don't, and I know brother Montoro is praying. Don't give up and pray. Keep praying because God wants to answer prayer. We have a an God that answers prayer, and He wants His people to pray. So keep praying, no matter how long. It's Years. Don't give up and pray. Pray for more neighbors. Pray for more churches. Pray for this city. You pray for your city here. You pray for your leaders. You no, know we don't like what's going on in America or in this city or wherever it's at in America today. We don't like what's happening with, our, with how, our, what, how our president believes and, and, and other government leaders. We still need This prayer do? Well, prayer first of all acknowledges our weakness, our inability. And our inability to do it ourselves. It acknowledges our dependence upon someone that is greater than ourselves. And that someone is a holy and righteous God. Prayer gives us hope. Prayer gives us hope that in a a living Savior, He wants to answer our prayers and He will answer our prayers. It's right. Again, the city meets Christ. That's the hope of this city. Our world needs Christ. That's the hope of this world is Jesus Christ. We need to pray. More than anything else. To make them fall upon our knees. Spend time with Him in prayer. If He will and He wants it. And this was, this is Jesus' prayer request, we might say. And we have all kinds of prayer, request, prayer requests that we should. And bring them before the Lord. But this is his prayer request for us that we would pray for labors. It seems like a hopeless situation, this world that we live in today. What should we do? Pray for more labors? And what are they supposed to do? The laborers to preach the gospel. Preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, as what people need to hear. Passing out, you know, on Saturday. Saturday's coming up. Or, uh, an opportunity to pass out tracts along the subways, along the you know, streets, or wherever. You know, have a smile upon your face, and uh, passing that track, hand that track out. You know, like like this morning. <coughs> saying, you know, good morning. Like something to read. just have a smile upon your face. Trying to show people that there is hope. They may not have an opportunity to talk, okay? but at least you have a smile upon your face. They can see Christ in us. You know, I think of Moses and his face the radiated. When he spent time with the Lord on that mountain, came off that mountain and his face showed so much that he had to put a veil and cover his face. In the New Testament, Stephen, right before they stoned him to death, uh, Saul, who had later became the Apostle Paul, was there. Right before they stoned him, they saw his face as if they had seen him. In other words, his face just radiated with the glory of God. Now, our face may not necessarily radiate such as Moses did, or maybe Stephen's, but really, there ought to be, they ought to see a difference upon our face. In other words, our countenance. That was their eyes. There's a film that I show in our mission classes. some students you know, that are here, that uh, know the film called "The Town," and it's a uh, just a great uh, mission story about missionaries that went to the uh, country of uh, Papua New Guinea and just, just uh, you know reaching these tribal people for Jesus Christ. One scene in that story was. That this, uh, after this one tribe came to no Christ, these men from another village came and, and talked to the missionary and said, We want a missionary to come to our village. And they said, When we look into the eyes of these men here, we see light. But when we look into each other's eyes, all we see is darkness. That was the testimony. People often, when they look at, you know, you may not have a chance to say anything to people as they walk by, and sometimes that can be discouraging. In you know? Oklahoma, you know, at least people will uh, be, you know, say hi to you, and you can stand there and talk with them. Sometimes, not all the time, but uh, you talk with them for a little while. But my word, they come here, and it's good night. I you say, anybody say hi to you. At least down the street, anyways, you I know not in church, you know, but, but at least. What I could do is have a smile upon my, my face and hoping that they could see Christ in my eyes. But you know what? In order for people to see Christ in my eyes, I need to be in the world. I need to spend time with Jesus. It can't make a difference. But you need to spend time in hope. Spend time in His Word. Spend time in prayer. Because the only Jesus that they're going to see is going to be in us. We're going to see it in our eyes, upon our faces. Look upon people's faces without Christ, all I see is darkness. It's probably all they see is darkness in each other's eyes. When they, when, they, when they look into a Christian time, they look into a Christian face. they ought to see light. They ought to see a difference, they ought to see hope. That's only going to come when we spend time with the Lord. We spend time in prayer, praying for the lost. Having compassion upon them, praying that they would be saved, and praying that they would come into a crisis of Savior, but also praying for more laborers. More laborers more labors would come to New York City. More laborers would go to other cities of our world. Pray for Harvard Baptist come. Pray that God would touch young people's lives, they would surrender their lives and preach the gospel. Go into the world. I don't know if God doesn't call everyone to be a preacher or a missionary, uh, but yet there, there there needs to be more labors and in, in, in everywhere. Normally we think of labors, um, not necessarily just talking about someone that stands behind the pulpit and preaches. The there the, in the Book of Acts when, when persecution hit the church, they're in Jerusalem. Those believers were just newly saved. And when persecution came, they were scattered abroad and they went everywhere preaching. In other words, being a witness. What well, is what preaching means? It means to proclaim. Proclaim the good news. I tell them in mission classes, even women can preach. I said, no, 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 wait a minute. Don't throw stones at me. I don't mean to stand behind a pulpit like a pastor and preach. But the word preach means to proclaim. these good to go you that testimony that witness, Wherever we're at in the world. At your job place. There are the sufferings. And you may not have that opportunity to speak to someone. Maybe they're on track, but they see Jesus in your lives. In your eyes. They're spending time with Him. I say when, when it seemed like it was a hopeless situation, Jesus told His disciples to work. They know primarily primarily are talking about the need of a harvest. And that's what this text is about. But maybe tonight there's some other situations that you're facing in your life that seems like a hopeless situation. What should you do? Right. As I mentioned at the beginning of the message, you find people everywhere in the world praying. Gods that are dead. God's that will not hear their prayers. My word. If peoples of other, other religions, as Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists, are bowing down to these false idols and false gods and praying, what about Christians? We have a true no living God. Should we be the ones spending more time in prayer? speaking to myself. That's, that's an area I'm weak in. Actually, it, it's an area that every Christian struggles with. Why? Because that's where the battle is at. It's prayer. And that's really where the battle takes place. Satan knows it. I don't know about you, but every time I make that decision to pray, it seems like all of a sudden there might be a distraction to come up or something else a thousand things coming to my mind that I gotta do why. The Satan knows. He can hinder us from praying, and he's one that So we must discipline ourselves Boy, if these other people that bow down to these false gods, they can spend time to pray. What about me? I did have the truth of living now. I need not take time to pray. Yes, we're busy. Jesus was busy. But he realized, my work, your work is so great. I cannot, but I, I, he said, I need to pray to accomplish the work. So, again, the challenge tonight is situations he hopeless. such as this world dying and going to hell, pray. Pray for more That's, you know, that is. You know, and Jesus said, put you first the kingdom of God. All these things shall be added unto you. And I know each and every one of us have heard upon our heart and, and maybe other uh, issues and things in life. But first of all, spend time to pray you know, in prayer. Praying for the lost. Praying for more laborers, Having it upon your heart and upon your mind. And sure, is. Yes, go to God in prayer for Personal needs of your life, if it's, if it's finances, if it's sickness, if it's whatever that we have in our lives. Sure, yes, God wants us to bring those prayers to Him. But primary, first and foremost, pray for laborers. Pray for the hardest. That's the true need of the world And that is the answer to the problem of, of the city, of, this, of our country, of this world. Stand together with every head bowed and every that closed. Every head bowed and every that closed. I hope that this is uh that helped you tonight, and just a reminder you know, um, the need of the hour, the need of praying for labor praying for know it's your workplace, to friends, relatives. What was the last time that you prayed for them? Earnestly pray. Cry out to God for them. You may not even live here in this area, but pray for someone to go witness to them. Praying for more labors. Pray for this church. Pray for Michael Billion-Murder. Pray for more labors to come to this city. Pray for our country. sick take time tonight? Precious Heavenly Father, I thank you for the word tonight. So thank you that we have a truth of the living God that goes in. Lord Jesus, You are our Savior, who died on the cross for our sins. Given us hope. Give us life. Give us light. We have the truth of God's word. This world that we live in is a world of darkness that seems like no hope. people are just existing from day to day now the shepherd. Tired and fatigue, Lord, the answer is Jesus Christ. The Lord, help us to labor in your heart of steel and witness. Share Jesus Christ with others. But also, dear Lord, help us to pray. Lord, we pray. The work the work is too great it's just a few for me for So thank you.